faith, fight, basketball. This is the F2 Basketball Podcast. All right, we're back with another F2 Podcast, and I am here joined by Frankie Ferrari, one of the newest members of the team in Manresa, the ACB. Frankie, great to have you here, brother. Thanks, man. I'm excited to do this. Good to see you. Good to see you too, man. So tell us a little bit about, you know, everything that's going on with, uh, with your team out in Spain. Yeah, so we just, uh, just started the league play last week and, and started off with a good win at home against Unigaha, who's one of the top teams in our league. And uh, in, front of our, in front of a packed house, our crowd is, is pretty remarkable. You know, I might equate it to somewhere like Gonzaga. Um, in terms of somewhere that I played, you know, we've got about 5,500 people sold out. A cheering section that goes crazy, and the, and the fans here in the city of Manresa really take pride in basketball. So I was happy with the way the team competed and the, the way we went, the way we won, and uh, it was a great start to league. Yeah, man, I was looking at some of the highlights, and obviously you had a great game, but it was hype. Like I was, I was wishing that I was right there. It looked like a, a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, I, I tell you, the, the the video doesn't do it justice. I remember when I. Signed with the team in August, I, I went on YouTube and looked at some of the old footage from last year. I was like, well, it's a pretty crazy environment. But once you're in there and you hear it and the fans are going crazy, it's, it takes it to a whole other level. That's what's up. So your first game, you had a great debut. You guys got a, want, a win. And then some stuff happens. Yeah, so I, I broke my wrist uh, in the third quarter. Didn't know it. Uh, kind of just was playing with it. Uh, playing through it, I thought, you know, maybe I sprained it or whatever. Um, so finished the whole game. Um, and then after the game, I was like, I went up to our trainer. I was like, there's something wrong. I think I broke my wrist. Um, so the next day, x-rays, you know, confirmed it. We got surgery the following day. And now I'm uh, five days here without the cast and started rehab and hope to be back within the next month. Man, that's a tough way to kind of start the season. But it is awesome that you had such a great game and a win. And, and you guys are also in Champions League, right? Champions League is our, our European competition. And that'll be good to to fly around Europe and, and play teams outside of Spain. Awesome, man. Well, so Frankie and I really got to know each other very well as we went through this pre-draft process together. He and Garrison Matthews came to train here in Myrtle Beach. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed a lot about Frankie and why we work so well together is because he is a grinder. He's a smart player. He knows what he's doing, what he wants as a player. And um, so – Frankie, take, take us through that little bit of time when your season ended at USF and then, you know, your time at home, pre-draft, everything that looks like that. Yeah, so season ended in March. Um, we had lost in our conference tournament. I went ahead and took a couple weeks off just to give the body and mind a little rest. And then it's the senior year, so you kind of sort it out where you got to find an agent to sign with. And, you know, you talk to certain agents throughout the season and, you have those meetings, and I ended up signing with Chris, who we, we developed a great relationship, and you kind of partnered with out in Myrtle Beach, and that's where he lives. Um, so, yeah, that, that all transpired. Um, I started working out at home, kind of light, um, gearing up to go out there in May and, and hit it hard for that month or month-and-a-half stretch that we did. Um, and right as soon as we stepped into Myrtle Beach, the work started. We were at it uh, two or three times a day, six days a week. Um, that was your full-time job, no school. Um, nothing else to worry about but eating, recovering, and getting better. Um, fortunate enough to, to obviously work with you guys, but as well as alongside Garrison, who's an um, ultra competitor. He's now with the Wizards, for people that don't know. and Really enjoyed, you know, living with him and working with him. And I felt like we pushed each other. Um, so, And then we were with each other for about six weeks. 
um, with you and Myrtle. And then um, once June hit, we started those pre-draft workouts and flying all over the country in, in 10 days or 12 days, uh, you know, from East Coast to West Coast to Myrtle for a night, back to the West Coast for a workout, um, and a couple couple uh, elbows and, and uh, in between. But uh, no, it was a unique process. You know, not every player gets to, to, gets to go through it. And I, uh, it's something I'll cherish, and, and I, you know, my goal was to impress as many people as possible, and I felt like um, I did a pretty good job of that. Right, and just to give you guys a little bit about Frankie. Frankie from San Francisco, Myrtle Beach, the opposite ends of the country. Our first workout, he gets off the plane, comes right – I mean, it was 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, and, and he gets off the plane, comes right to the workout, and, and smokes it. And I was like, okay. I think, I think we're going to be okay. You know, like, I think we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make this work. And, and, and also when you were doing some of your NBA workouts, you also came back with some, you know, a different look, you know, that you came back. Yeah, that <laughs> was a long, <laughs> long week. I was in, I went from the Warriors to the Kings to Myrtle to Orlando to Utah. And in between, I think in, in, in the Golden State workout, I took an elbow to the face. I think my eye was out to here all black and blue. Um, and then like three days later, uh, I took a, a good another elbow to the face and had about three or four stitches. So that was a long week, not only with the travel, but with the injuries. But, uh, you know, it was something that you go through and something that you learn from. And I, and I thought it was great. I dig it. So that kind of parlays us a little bit into like who you are as a player, like what makes you tick? Obviously, you're not scared of getting your face, you know, in the mix. What makes you tick all around as a player? Who are you as a player? I think a competitor, uh, first and foremost, I think, you know, with the tools that I have and, and, the, and the, obviously the size, um, you have to be the most competitive person in order to keep up and, and, to, and, to, and to be a good player. Um, and, and people, you know, like I said, people say they're competitive, but if you're, if you're not willing to do it on a day-in and day-out basis and, and compete at the highest level with every rep, then, then you're going to be in trouble being, you know, my size and stature. Um, and then also just touching on skill set, I think, you know, at my size, you, you have to be one of the most skilled players on the floor. And, and I'm a point guard that could, that could shoot the ball as well as pass it and score on all three levels. And I think that makes you dynamic and hard to guard. And it sets you apart from other people that are competing for jobs. Very true. I, w I would agree. That's, that's, the pl that's the player that you are. There's no doubt. And Manresa is, is certainly lucky to have you. And I know that they saw that in game one. You know, like that's that's really cool. You had so so you had the opportunity of of staying here in the states or going to play overseas. And I know a lot of guys that are coming out of school are trying to figure that dance out. What what was it like for you, and what what made you decide to go overseas? Yeah, it was a tough decision. Obviously, it's it's something. Uh, it's your life. It's your career. It's it's a business decision. Um, it's something that Chris and I worked out. It all happened very fast, um, but we made the decision knowing that that this isn't the this isn't the end. Um, you know, you there's there's plenty of guys, PJ Tucker, um, Brad Wanamaker, that go go and play really well in Europe and get back to the NBA. Um, but obviously, we knew about the ACB. We knew about the Champions League. Uh, we knew about this team, Manresa, in terms of, you know, they're really good with young players, rookies, and developing them and, and playing for, for Coach Pedro, who's our coach now. He's been around the league for 30 years. and He's got a pedigree for, for developing young players like myself. And, and I thought that Chris and I, you know, came to the conclusion that this would be the best option for me for year one. And uh, I've enjoyed it so far for the month and a half that I've been out here. I dig it. Now, you had a, a 
unique opportunity um, to play, well, I would say play with a family member, but you had a family member on staff at USF your final year, uh, your final two years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so your brother was, was, was on staff there. What was that like um, and the interaction that you guys were able to have? It was unique. Um, it was something that probably nobody else really gets to, gets to experience. And um, it's something that he's kind of looked after me in my career my whole, my whole life. Um, obviously competing with him on the same team as we're young and then as you get older and he stopped playing he you know pushed me to to keep getting better and better um so it was really great having him around having a familiar face and someone that you could really trust um but then also on the flip side you know having him being hands-on you know getting extra workouts in after practice or, or getting his two cents um what he sees from the sidelines it's a different perspective and it's something that can help um so i think he was a good bridge for me between the coaching staff um, and, and being around your, you know, your teammates. And Ralphie, I mean, Ralphie has some game. He came down and he was, he got in some runs. I would yeah. call him just kind of a solid player. Yeah. Like, he's a, he's a good guy to have on your open, open gym team or on your scout team. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't, yeah. you know, he doesn't uh, like to, to show it much, but he could hoop and uh, he was a late bloomer. Um, in yeah. high school. really got the opportunity to play, but um, yeah, he still loves hoop, and he, he wants to be a Division One head coach someday, and he's right on track. So That's awesome, man. So, so in talking about relationships with coaches, you know, all of us, I played in college back in the day, and there were certain coaches that I gravitated towards and certain coaches that I stayed kind of away from. What is it for you that makes you develop a good relationship with the coach? I think it's just a mutual respect to start with and a common ground and a, and a common goal point where hey you know as a team the coach and especially as a point guard I think it's 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 at a higher level in terms of your relationship with your head coach and your assistants but I think just having that common goal hey you know our team needs you to do this in order to to be successful and as an individual hey I think you could play at this level and 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 I'm going to push you to get there and and if if you understand that the coach is, is on your side and willing to go to bat for you and, and you have the same goal then I think he's allowed to you know, push boundaries and push limits in order for you to become a better player. And right. And so then on the other side of it, the, 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 the coaches that you kind of, you know, pulled away from or never really developed a good relationship from, you would say basically the, the opposite. You didn't really feel like they really cared about you very much. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, for me, um, and we've talked about this before is, you know, my dad was my coach growing up primarily. So, Tim and I had a, obviously a unique relationship and, and the utmost respect for him. And I, I really knew deep down what, what our goals were, you know, together as an individual player, as a team player. And then as that transpired into high school, early on in college, I kind of struggled um, in terms of not, not bumping heads with coaches, but not being on the same page or not having a deeper relationship. Um, so I think, you know, that was something that I struggled with. Um, and then once that developed, Coach Smith and I, um, you know, really developed a, a good relationship my last two years. And it allowed me to become more dynamic and uh, gave me more freedom kind of uh, within the team structure, but then also individually to work on my game. And I said, hey, coach, I want to be a pro. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to push you to be a pro. And, and uh, look where we are now. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So those coaches out there that may be struggling to find a connection with players, it's more important that they show that they care and that they want to see you do well, not just that they do well. Sometimes you can feel that from a coach, right? 
Yeah. Um, I think also players have to understand that it is a business. These, these college coaches are coaching for their livelihood. And if you're not performing, then, then they do have to make moves in order to protect themselves and protect their families. So I think uh, transparency is another word that we use. And it's something that's important. If a coach is transparent with the players, Hey, look, like, you know, off the court, I could be your, you know, I could be your best friend. I could, you know, help you in any way I can, but on the court, like this is a business and I need you to perform and I'm going to push you as a player. Um, if you can get that transparency and that common ground, I think that could lead to a lot more success. And I think, you know, like we talked about in the recruiting process, it's a lot of fluff and there's a lot of guys that, that see a staff one way or another. And then when they get on campus, it's completely different. And it's unfortunate that it happens, but it's part of the business. Um, so I think, yeah, transparency is another key. For sure, for sure. So, all right, tell me, tell me what you would tell young Frankie. I know you didn't exactly have just like the easiest path to where you got to. What would you tell young Frankie and encourage him with if you could? Yeah, I would just say there's going to be a lot of low points, um, but it's all worth it in the end. Um, to give a little background, I, I went to a couple, a couple different high schools, um, didn't have very many Division One offers, um, ended up at USF, um, and then my freshman year didn't play at all. Um, transferred to a junior college and didn't play basketball. Was a student, hanging out on the couch, um, you know, working out with my dad two or three times a day in the gym that we have in Burlingame, and that was about it. Didn't really know what the next move was, um, but I always had this goal in mind that, that was like, I want to be a professional, I want to dominate in college. That never, that never faltered. I've always, you know, kept plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. So if I could, you know, tell myself one thing, I just said, keep working because, uh, you know, these moments that you're down, they're going to change and, and, uh, and all this work that you're going to put in is going to come to fruition. So. And you play, I'll be honest, like you just, you carry that belief with you. Like it's, it's apparent with how you work and the attention to detail that you have and how you work. And, and that is something like, you can't really give that to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like that internal belief, you just got to have it. Yeah, I think you can't fake it either. I yeah. think that comes with the work that you put in. You know, if deep down you know you put in hours upon hours upon hours and you're looking at the guy across from you like, there's no way he put in as much time as me, then your confidence level, it, it won't falter. It won't. Because if you know that you put in the work and you have the, the mental fortitude to push through any obstacle that's in front of you, then then I think you give yourself an opportunity. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Like I failed plenty of times in college. Um, even the first year that I returned back to USF, you know, I went through a couple injuries and, and didn't, wasn't playing as well as I should have been. And I think, you know, as long as you continue to work and continue to, to have the mindset to get better then the sky's the limit. Right. So tell me what kind of players do you like playing with? Yeah. First and foremost, guys that run the floor, obviously you saw Henry, in the yes, yes. Up there. Um, guys that run the floor, guys that compete, um, you know, guys that, that love to play their role. I think everyone has a role in the team. And I think this past year in college, the reason why we were successful is everyone kind of took, took the role um, and ran with it and tried to fulfill it, you know, to their best abilities. So I think that's another thing. And, you know, guys that, that, that compete. Um, it's just, it sounds simple. There's plenty of guys that have skills and, and talent and all these tools, but they don't compete hard and it doesn't, it doesn't translate to wins. So I think if you can get a teammate that competes hard and gives his best effort and, and is for the team before himself, then you can kind of fill out the other kinks and uh, become successful. Yeah. And it's funny too. I mean, you and I talked a couple of times just about like, man, the competitive edge that you have 
And you see it with some guys who just are uber talented and they don't have the, the, the competitive edge to get it done or get over the hump. And it just leaves you scratching your head at times. Yeah. You know, now as I become a professional and, and a young adult, I do scratch my head, but I, I am thankful for those guys. Cause if, if they weren't that way, then I wouldn't be here. So right. it is what it is. And I'll just keep plugging away. And, and, and then those guys will get left behind. I dig it. So tell me, you said professional. A lot of guys see this as a um, as something to do. They just they want to play basketball and they want to make a living. What I know about you is that you understand business and that you understand the professional professionalism along with it. So tell me what you what it is to be a professional in the yeah, basketball I think world. Starting off, just how you carry yourself um, in whatever building that you're in. Um, develop your relationships with not only the people that are directly involved with the team, but also, you know, general managers or people that work in the office. I think that's important as well. Um, and then, you know, taking care of your body, you know, you have nothing, nothing else to do. Uh, your, your job is to be a basketball player. It's what you put in your body. It's how you sleep. It's how you recover. Um, certain things like that is something that's different from college. And then also not being satisfied. Like, I'm a rookie in the ACB, but I'm not satisfied. Like I have higher aspirations. I, you know, want to get back to the NBA. I want to play in the EuroLeague. I want to play at the highest level um, and continue to get better every day. And I think that's something that continues to motivate me and, and allows me to, to push. Yeah. And I mean, and, and the time that we spent together in Myrtle beach, like there wasn't a time that you weren't early for a workout. Like there wasn't a time, like you carried yourself like a professional before you were professional. And I'm saying that not to just not to toot your horn, but just to, for guys that are out there that are saying, how does a guy like Frankie get into the ACB? How does he get into the summer league? How does he have opportunities at these high professional stages? And it's because you started carrying yourself like a professional before you were a professional. Yeah, it's, it's those habits that you develop at a young age. Um, and, and it aligns with the goals, like I go back to. If, if you don't have these goals – then, then your habits, you're just not really going to care. I think if, if you look like, hey, I want to be a professional, well, how's Steve Nash? Like Steve Nash was my hero. So how does Steve Nash work? Well, I used to re- I've seen every documentary, read every book about Steve Nash. He used to recover three hours a day. So you got to think about that. If he's going to work out for two or three hours a day and he's going to recover for two or three hours a day, that's a job. So if, if you try to emulate those guys or, or do what you can to, to set good habits at a young age, it just becomes natural and it becomes your everyday habits, you know, as you continue to grow as a player. I dig it, man. So um, you've got, there's a little bit, you've got a little bit of time where you're out with this wrist injury and then you get back in the mix. Basketball's awesome. What is it in Spain that you're most enjoying? What are you looking forward to culturally there? Do you have a little mama Mia on the side yet? I mean, what's going on? I do not yet. <laughs> Um, culturally, I think it's been great. It's been a good transition. My goal for, for as long as I'm out here is to learn the language and that's happening fast, um, which is really cool. But I think just the lifestyle that people don't understand back in the States here in Spain is completely different. They wake up at nine, 10 o'clock. That's when they start their day. They have a midday siesta from, from two to four where that the whole town is shut down. There's, you can't walk down to the shop and get something to eat. Everything's shut down. And then you cannot get served in a restaurant before eight thirty at night. So certain things like that was kind of a culture shock, but I, I've learned to enjoy them. Um, but the people in my city are really unique. They're, they're really, really nice. We're about 40 minutes outside Barcelona. Um, they've got a ton of pride for, 
for our basketball team. And, and um, it's been a smooth transition. I, I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome, man. Well, Frankie, I'm pumped for you, man. Always good to connect. It's, uh, it's, it's fun to see what you're doing out there. And, and best of luck in the future. Uh, we'll stay in touch. And for all of you guys out there that are listening, Manresa in Spain and the ACB, follow Frankie. Tune in to the F2 podcast. We appreciate you guys. Frankie, I appreciate you, brother. Of course. I uh, enjoy seeing the, seeing the face and catching up. It's, uh, it's been too long. No doubt, man. We'll, we'll be in touch, man. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Have a good one. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of the F2 Basketball Podcast. Remember, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at F2 underscore basketball. You can also search for us on Facebook and YouTube. This podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. We'll see you next time for another episode of the F2 Basketball Podcast.